0: Welcome to the Love Is Coming podcast, the must-listen show for single women struggling to attain or sustain a romantic relationship. I'm your host Persia Lawson, author, speaker, and according to the Times Magazine, one of the UK's most successful love coaches. Before that, I was a serial cheat and obsessive love addict, but I'm now a bride-to-be and in the best relationship of my life. So... If you're trying to do the work on your love life, you are definitely in the right place. But here on the Love is Coming podcast, we serve your education with a side of entertainment. Expect serious stuff talked about not so seriously, solo Agony episodes with yours truly, and guest episodes showcasing some of the best in the biz in ways you've never seen them before. So, got a dating dilemma? Swiping right, but haven't yet found Mr. Right then let's get raw, real, and a little bit inappropriate, because love is coming for your baby in more ways than one. Hello, my loves. I hope you're doing super well. Now, despite the title of this podcast episode, which is how writing my new book nearly ruined my relationship, I really believe it is going to be a lot more relatable and relevant to you than you might expect. That is certainly my intention. So it's gonna be really relevant to you if you have ever had work or stress negatively impact your love life before, or you often push your loved ones away when you're struggling, or you've been branded a hypocrite on more than one occasion, um, usually by a partner or ex-partner. So in this, Episode, I'm going to be sharing the worst thing about creating anything in life, the sneaky addiction you don't even know you have, and why Joe and I are so anxious about you reading my upcoming book, Love is Coming, which is out on the 7th of July, 2021. So let's dive straight in. This is going to be a, well, I say this all the time, it's going to be a short episode, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay, so the first little segment, the worst thing about creating anything in life, as I've come to understand it. So I used to be an actress, you may or may not, not know that. So um, I've always identified as a creative. Um, and I've created many things in my life. And a lot of those things were just a big bloody mess, particularly in my love life. I think that's always an interesting perspective is, you know, when we think about being a creative, we think about, you know, an actor, a musician, um, and. and An artist, you know, creating a piece of work. But actually, I do find it really interesting to when we realize that we are all creatives, like we decide our life. And that can be a hard thing to wrap your head around, especially if you've been born into shitty circumstances. Um, and all of us have to a degree, all of us have a backstory, all of us have had things that we've struggled with, but there comes a time when you are an adult, you know it's a different conversation if it's with, if we're talking about kids, but let's not go there right now let's not do that today but when you're talking about when we become adults um and especially when life, because life is a teacher, like she will be trying to teach us things and it's whether, it's up to us how long it takes for us to learn those lessons. There are people in their 80s who still have refused to learn key life lessons, whether that's being kind, being generous, um, you know, focusing on on goals and achieving goals or whatever whatever the lesson is. There are people... Very, very young children who've been born into a shitty context and have found a way to make, uh, to kind of get past that context and to create something really spectacular with their life. Um, I mean, I'm just off the top of my head thinking of Greta Thunberg, who's done really remarkable things. Um, And, you know, I think that's it's always a good reminder, isn't it? So I've gone off on a tangent, of course I have, of course it's going to be longer than I planned it to be. So the worst thing about creating anything in life is is not just that you, the potential for that thing that you create, if we are talking about whether it's, you know, a new coaching program, a book, a piece of art, the the fear of being rejected, which is obviously a very real thing, it's that... you've got to take responsibility for the results that you get or that you're not getting, but without beating yourself up about that. So, so if that is simply, okay, the results I'm getting or not getting in my love life, like I have created these results, whether I like that truth or not, whether it's my fault or not, I have created these results. And in order to change them, I need to face that truth. Because until you face that truth, you're not going to change shit. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, it's it's creating a new coaching program that doesn't do very well and you really hoped it would. You know, you can sit and beat yourself up or, or get angry at the world or, you know, you can do all that. It doesn't change a thing. What you need to do is is go and look at, okay, what's not working and why is it not working? Being more objective um, about it and, and kind of giving yourself a break. Um and as you grow and as you evolve, like you, you know, you're, you get to that point where you think, well, I should have known better. So, for example, I remember when I was in, you know, in my early days working on my love life and I'd made a, a commitment to myself that I wasn't going to do one night stands anymore because they never felt good. They were a short term fix. And then there was that period of time where a few times you know, I got too drunk and I ended up having a one night stand and because I knew better, like I knew what I was doing. It, it's almost like, you know, they say about AA, like it will ruin your drinking because you become too aware. So you can't even have the pleasure in it anymore. And I always see that with clients. It's like, you know, working with me will ruin all of those sort of, um, I guess, naive mistakes that that you used to make, um, and I totally, you know, that was totally my experience. And so, even in that, when we're going through that that sort of growth change, because there comes a time where you keep choosing not to do that old thing you used to do, and then it just becomes your identity. Like, I don't worry about having a one night stand anymore because it's so far away from my identity today. But it was a messy journey getting there, and, you know. <sighs> Another thing I think when it comes to creating anything in life, I was just actually talking about this in my Facebook group, it always takes longer than you want it to. So if you want to change your love life to get a partner, uh, you know, you want to change it, change all those those negative behaviours so that you can one day have that relationship. Oh, reggae, okay. my little doggie's just come in. Hello, lie down. Um, you know what? It takes longer. It it all things always take longer than you want them to. The book that I've just written, Love Is Coming, it's taken me five years. The book before that, the Inner Fix, took about four and a half, I think, from the day I started working it and my friend and I and and uh, and it and it coming out. Um, there's always a you know there's a journey. I have yet to meet someone who said, "Oh, that that project or that thing that I wanted to change or create in my life." took, like, half the time. It, I'm sure they're out there, but I think they're few and far between. I can speak from my own experience. Everything always takes longer than I want it to. So, so I really... And the reason I think it did is because I had to confront all my shit. Like, in this book, you know, I really... I'd go there and, and and I was writing as I was living out those lessons a lot of the time. There were some lessons that I'd learned in previous years, but a lot of the lessons I was kind of living and then writing about. And so it, it took that long. So if you're in a place right now and you're like, oh, I've been working on my love life and it's just not happening, it's taking ages. Like, I want you to know I hear you, I see you, I've been there. Just give time the time it needs. Like, remember, I say this all the time, but we live in an Amazon prime culture that has conditioned us to expect things so fast and it's unhealthy you know like life is meant to be savored we're we're meant to go slow and be present and enjoy it and this is so goes against everything sort of um I guess what feels natural to me because I'm such an impulsive person but actually that impulsiveness is not coming from a healthy place when I am in right mind wise mind you know doing the deep work meditating looking after myself I love going slow and going slow feels so natural and I and I really felt that was with Joe as well. Like sometimes he would really speed the breaks up in the early days of us. And I had to really kind of uh you know slow slow him down and say, I wanna I wanna go slow because I've made the mistake so many times in my love life of going so fucking fast and it always crashes and burns. So uh, you know, along this journey, when I've been writing this book, there's I'm gonna really own it, there's been times where, yeah, Joe's called me a hypocrite because I'll be in a launch for one of my programs or my, my flagship program, Get Your Soulmate. And it's, um I love it, but it's it's a lot of work and it's a lot of moving parts. And I, you know, moving on to the next piece soon, like I absolutely am someone who can project, pushes pushes my loved ones away when I'm struggling and projects my, I mean, I think we all project our stuff on the people that we're close to when we're struggling. And so when I'm working and, you know, this is the, Point I'm moving on to next, which is essentially workaholism—the sneaky addiction you don't even know you have. We are all, um, in so many respects, workaholics because even if it's not a job, it's that the the sort of doing, doing, doing because of what we're seeing online constantly. There's so much content being pumped to us. There's so much activity going on that we have. You know, we've become such a doing culture. And and again, impulsive, impulsive, impulsive. So when I'm in that place during a launch, uh, you know, Joe's often the one that gets it in the neck, and he he calls me out on my shit, and he says, Persia, you were teaching all these women how to own their shit and take responsibility, and and look look how you're being right now, and, and and it's so painful. I'm like, oh, you're right, you're right. And so my goal now is really, you know, I'm obviously in a launch for this book, and I'm really trying to be mindful of not allowing the stress to get the better of me. And I have to say, for once in my life, it feels like one of the first times that yes, there's so much to do, but I feel like for the most part, I'd say like 80% of the time, I'm I'm doing it with joy and everything's taking longer and you know, I've m- missed a load of deadlines and I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm gonna make peace with that. No one gives a shit. <laughs> like the book will be out on that day, come hell or high water, I know it will. But all of these other mini deadlines before, it doesn't matter. It's just a book. It doesn't matter. It will get out there when it's meant to get out there, you know, Um, and just don't fucking stress about it. This is the message to myself. So if you identify as a bit of a workaholic or a bit of a like an overdoer, overachiever, I really just hope that you hear that message of like, it really isn't as important as we tell ourselves it is. It's not life or death. It feels like it is, but it isn't. And the reality is that, you know, work and money are the biggest factors as to why people break up and why relationships don't work. And, you know, I, that's a really scary thing. And it's made me realize, God, if there's one thing that could take me and Joe down, it's probably my relationship with work. Joe has a really stressful, um, well, you know, quite intense job. He works as a location manager in the film industry. It's really long hours. It's, you know, it's all sorts of stuff. He loves it. But you know what? He doesn't, he's often nowhere near as stressed as I am. Like it's me who puts this on myself. I'm just gonna read out, this may be a bit grueling for a few of you, but I'm gonna go there. Um I feel cool to read out a few of the characteristics that are on the Workaholics Anonymous uh webpage. You can just Google Workaholics Anonymous and look these up if any of these resonate and you want to look into it more. Um, but this is interesting and there's, there's so much, you know, I know, I mean, I've already been talking a lot about workaholism. I think this is going to become a bigger part of my work over time. Like when I'm working more with, with couples, um, who have met from working with me, you know, such a big, the, the patterns that come out is around work and money. So, you know, I think that this is, yeah, it's going to be a more and more of a feature in my work. So here we go. These are characteristics of work, uh, workaholics. Are you more drawn to your work or activity than close relationships, rest, etc.? That's a yes from me. Are there times when you're motivated and push through tasks when you don't even want to and other times when you procrastinate and avoid them when you would prefer to get things done? Yep. Do you take work with you to bed on weekends on vacation? Yep, but I'm getting better at it. Are you more comfortable talking about your work than other topics? Yeah, because it's relationships. (laughs) That's how I justify it. It's relationships. I was talking about that anyway. Do you pull all nighters? Actually, no, not anymore. I get too tired. So that's every cloud. Do you resent your work or the people at your workplace for imposing so many pressures on you? Uh, I resent myself for putting so much pressure on myself. Do you avoid intimacy with others and or yourself? Yeah, I think I still do. I think I'm getting better. So I wasn't planning to like answer these myself, but here we go. I think I do still do that at times, but I'm working on it and much more aware. Do you resist rest when tired and use stimulants to stay awake? longer hello coffee at least it's not cocaine anymore nine do you take on extra work or volunteer commitments because you're concerned that things won't otherwise get done yep do you regularly underestimate how long something will take and then rush to complete it yes do you immerse yourself in activities to change how you feel or avoid grief anxiety and shame yeah do you get impatient with people who have other priorities besides work uh yeah i can do actually yeah i can do are you afraid that if you don't work hard all the time, you will lose your job or be a failure? Yep. <laughs> do you fear success, failure, criticism, burnout, financial insecurity, or not having enough time? Yep. Do you try to multitask to get more done? Yep. Do you get irritated when people ask you to stop doing what you're doing in order to do something else? Yep. Have your long hours caused injury to your health or relationships? Yep. Do you think about work or other tasks while driving, conversing, falling asleep or sleeping? Yep. Do you feel agitated when you are idle and or hopeless that you'll ever find balance? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like a slave to your emails, text or other technology? Yes. <laughs> so, guys, you can hear that I'm an absolute, fully-fledged workaholic, but I bet you uh, are yes suggest to quite a few of those yourself. Don't panic. You might not be ready or interested in... Joining Workaholics Anonymous. This this episode isn't even supposed to be all about this. It just has sort of gone in that direction a bit. It's just that so many people have been writing to me about this. And and I, you know, I really am seeing how much it's affecting relationships, not just romantic, but our relationship with family and friends and, and colleagues as well. And I think it's only set to go more this way because we're working from home. So it's like we just can't escape it. So that is, you know, the sneaky addiction you don't even know you have um and that is definitely you know working so hard on this book over the years and and my other work in my business which i love so much but it has definitely caused rifts between joe and i at times and i really want to own that and that's why i'm in work Hallics anonymous i'm doing step four it's fucking grueling not gonna lie um but i'm i'm definitely seeing a shift and as i said i'm seeing the shift in how i'm approaching this launch like i'm just making peace with things not getting done on time and just knowing it will all be fine it will be what it will be this book will get into the hands of the people it needs to get into the hands of that's why you know for me the spiritualist approach to relationship well it's not just to relationships to life um it's the only way i, I can do with it because otherwise i start thinking i'm god and it's everything is up to me and if you know and and that is a surefire way to go insane. Whereas if you believe in a power greater than yourselves that can support you and that's really, you know, you don't have to believe in God per se, you know, it's whatever you believe it, you know, look at nature. That's what I I find really grounds me. Look at nature. We can all believe in nature, like we see nature doing its thing and it's kind of pretty relaxed, you know, nature. I love that saying it's like nature takes its time and yet everything gets done. And I want to I want to move through my life like nature just go with the seasons and allow them to evolve. And when you stop resisting and controlling, that's the natural order of things, things do move. So it's about getting into alignment in yourself, which all that means, I'm sure you you know, we hear that a lot, what the fuck does getting into alignment mean? Think of it like a chiropractor, they click you back into place, the natural order, um, where you're gonna naturally thrive. So for me, when I'm going slow and meditating and and like just choosing not to stress out. Like I'm I'm recording this. As usual it's running over, which means I've got a lunch date, I'm driving to meet my lovely friend Sassy in Oxfordshire. And you know, I can panic and stress and beat myself up or I can just go, I'll oh, be fine, you know, I'll get there when I get there. It's a beautiful day outside. I'll have a lovely drive with me and my little doggy and we'll have a lovely time with Sassy and it's absolutely fucking fine. You know? Like, don't give yourself a bloody hernia, Persia. There's no need. Okay, finally, last part. Why Joe and I are so anxious about you reading Love is Coming. The reason I wanted to share this in this episode is... I was rereading it last night because we're just like doing the final, final proofs. And my God, firstly, can I just say it is insane. The 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 spelling and grammar mistakes that you, you've you read the, like so many times, you're like, how did I miss that? And that just reminded me of like, you know, what I share in the book about your love life is like, how did I spot those? Mm, like, how did I not see those huge red flags? Or how did I sweep them under the carpet and think that was ever going to work in the long run? You know, and we have to just, give our laugh at you know laugh at that and and give ourselves a break which is what I mentioned earlier because you know we're doing the best we can being humans fucking hard it's magical it's amazing but it's really hard and we just are gonna mess up all the time but all we can hope for is that we're facing in the right direction and I know that I am and I have been for the last decade and there's been moments where I've momentarily turned back around to the dark side because it's so fun and like you know tempting sometimes, but very quickly you know a flame of fire from <laughs> this this metaphor is getting a little bit long and laborious, but I'm gonna go there. I don't know. I get a bit of fireball flown at me, thrown at me, and sort of singe my eyelashes and go, oh yeah, that's why because it's so short-lived and the consequences like the more you are on this path and I'm sure some of you will really relate it's like you just can't stay in those dark places very long anymore you're it's like your psyche you've it's because you've outgrown them so when you dip your toe back in because you're tempted it's just like no absolutely not that's not going to work um and that's a good thing, you know. It's like uh, Abraham Hicks, who let's just say spiritual teacher. I I wouldn't even know how to describe. Um, but it's like he says, they say, uh, if you're think you're if you're driving along the motorway, right, and you drift a little bit, if you're in the outer lane, and you you hear that, you know, and you're hitting the the hard shoulder or the you know whatever it is, and it's like ooh, you get that judder. Even though that doesn't it feels scary and it's not nice in that moment, it's a good thing because it's just like a little sign of like that it, it happens so quickly that you're it's just a reminder of like get back in your lane, get back into the flow, you know. Um, and I think that when we're on this this path of you know healing and um evolving, spiritual evolution, whether you want to call it that or whatever you want to dress it up as personal development, um you will get those reminders. It's just guidance. And so you know, how how gently can we receive that? Because I know it's taken me such a long time that when I when I make a mistake, oh, you should know better, you're a fucking self-help author, Persia. Get get a grip, get yourself together. And actually that is just showing how unhealthy I am, that speaking to myself like that. Now I'm much better at going, oh, bless you, Persia. You, you made a boo-boo. It's okay. Let's not get into the drama of it because total drama addict over here. And that's where the, dra- the drama addiction will jump on, Anything where I fuck up, um, and and by the way, that is why I'm judgment. That's why I can be judgmental to other people because if I judge myself so harshly, of course I'm going to judgment, ju- be judgmental of others, and then that leads to resentment and bitterness. And I don't want to be that bitter old bitch. Like I just don't want to. So um, the more I've really seen, you know, the the degree of compassion and gentleness we can extend to ourselves is is what we can do to other people. Now that is not to say. That we can't, we should not be disciplined and have standards for ourselves. And sometimes we do need to give ourselves a bit of a talking. But you can either go, "Oh, you fucking idiot," bro. or you can go, "Come on, Persia, you know better. You don't need to do that anymore. Come on, let's go and have a cup of tea. Let's go for a walk. Let's get our shit together." And um, you know, like that's like it's like being that big sister, and that that voice really works for me. So it's not giving myself a super hard time. It's often like that voice has a bit of humor attached to it. Um and it's just a bit more playful, but it's also like discipline. There are standards there. It's not just letting yourself kind of go off the wolf, you know, willy-nilly. Um, I've gone on a complete tangent. Why why Joe and I are so anxious about this book. Okay, so yeah, it's I literally start talking about spelling and grammar, and I don't I I don't know where I ended up there. Fucking hell. Right, Persia. Have a moment with yourself, get a grip, stop digressing. I feel like this podcast i'm digressing even fucking talking about not digressing this podcast should just be called you know the, the digression the, the, the 30 minute digression is actually even more than that anyway take a breath here we go the reason joe and i are anxious about you reading this book is that yeah it's it's super vulnerable um there are some stories in there that I really am in two minds about whether I should put out there but when I've I've shared it with beta readers or friends or um, a few clients they're like no you have to because firstly everyone relates to that it's something no one talks about but everyone will relate to that um there's there's a fair bit of toilet humor I'm not gonna lie it's not even toilet humor it's just toilet sort of related sex slash toilet related stories that have happened that I've just thought, oh my God, it's too good not to share. And there are, it turns out there are more people than I knew who, who've been in similar circumstances themselves. Um, but that, but with every single story that I share, it's not about sensationalism, although, you know, it's a bit of fun as well. Um, there's always a message and a, and a lesson that I learned myself from going through that really mortifying experience. And so I do hope that it lands. And, you know, it's it's intimate. There's There's a lot of really intimate stuff there, like emotionally um, stuff about my relationship with Joe, like from the very day dot that you will not know a lot of that stuff. Um, I guess I was saving it for, well, I I was like saving it for our wedding day or for, um, or for the book. And yeah, there's a, there's a fair bit in there that he doesn't even know. And I don't even know if he's going to read the book. I have to do an audio book for Joe to read it. Um, I thought, or I'll just have to read it out to him when we're driving places, but, And then he'll be like, fuck, why did you put that in? I did tell him, to be fair. I did tell him everything I was going to put in. And I did say, do you want to read the proofs? And he didn't. So his own bloody fault. Anyway, yeah, I am anxious about you reading it because of some of the stuff that we share, I share. But I'm more excited than anxious. And I'm more, I just just really trust that it's going to resonate for who it needs to resonate for. And um, what else, what else can you do? Um, so that is the digression over my darlings. I hope there was at least one thing in this episode that was helpful. I would really love to know actually, if there was, what it was. Please come and let me know over on Instagram at Persia Lawson, DM me, um, right under the comments of when I share the little clip of audio clip of this episode. Um, I'd love to know, yeah, which what resonated? What one thing did you need to hear? What are you going to do to put it into action and make it actually relevant to you? So on the subject of my new book, whether you are single, taken or somewhere in between, love is coming really is a must read. It really is. And it is, uh, I designed it to help you find and keep the incredible relationship that you've always wanted, but never really believed is possible for you and I promise you my love this book will prove to you that it absolutely is so click the link in the show notes for this episode now to find out more about the book and get instant access to the introduction plus some other goodies to see if it's for you it's 100% free so why bloody not and that's a wrap Thank you so much for listening. I really do hope these episodes help you find dates that become mates and flings that become things with men who are ready, willing, and able to actually commit. Please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and leave me a review if you're getting value from these episodes. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other people who want or need the support. To have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. See you next week, gorgeous. I release a new episode every Tuesday. But until then, remember, love is coming for you. So surrender to the festival that is life on planet Earth and trust that what misses you was not meant for you and what's meant for you will not miss you, including your soulmate.